Welcome to the Cross Yas podcast. The podcast that says Yas to cross-dressing, sexuality, and gender. I'm your trans woman host, Billy. I've been on a little bit of a hiatus lately, if you haven't noticed, which I'm sure you have. It's just been kind of a really crazy few months with just everything in my life. Personal, professional, the ups, downs, mids, in-betweens all-arounds. Uh, I mean, it kind of started off with just me being on call and not really being able to point my focus towards the podcast for that week. And then, you know, I got sick, and then the holidays, and just procrastination, and I've been, like, coming out at work, which has been overwhelmingly positive in ways that I could never imagine. It's just honestly just completely blown me away with all the support that I've gotten and then I have like this possibility of my my career like blowing up and moving forward finally and I can maybe finally close this current chapter of my life to move on to the next one and I cannot fucking wait um well here's a chat that I made with Ashley a few months ago, I know a lot has changed for myself in that time, and I want to apologize for Ashley for getting this out so late. And I know later on in the episode, I mentioned something about trying to get a trying to get um like a Veterans Day roundtable going. Unfortunately, that did not happen. Getting people together to record episodes like that is. Sometimes it can be pretty difficult just to get people's schedules in line and all that stuff. And, you know, I'm sure I dropped the ball on it, but it's already gone and passed. But maybe maybe this year, maybe this year we can get something like that. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but anyway, this is a, a bit of a long episode. Thank you for your patience and, and for all the waiting. And I hope you enjoy this conversation. Yes, 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 yes. Cross, yes, podcast, which is El Mirasol and Billy. Welcome. Uh, hey, actually, uh, hey, this is Billy with the Cross Yas podcast. Um, today's special guest is Ashley. Uh, Ashley just joined the Cross Yas confidential Discord recently, and uh, a big wave of uh, new members have just recently joined. Um, Ashley, if you'd like to introduce yourself, that would be fantastic. Sure. Hi, everybody. My name is Ashley. Um, I'm a transgender woman and been in, uh, in transition since January of 2021 uh, and been on hormones for 16 months. And uh, I'll fill you in a lot more about myself when we get to the details. Okay. Um, Ashley... Um, would you like to, or let's, let's take this like way, way back. Let's go, let's go back to like when you first started realizing you were trans. Sure. So I, uh, at first realized that I was different and I didn't have a word for trans back then. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the sixties and it was either, it was eight or nine. I don't remember the exact year it was, but it was in that time frame. It was before I hit puberty. Um, and I knew that. I should have been a woman, um, 
but I didn't have a real name for it. I just knew I was different. I knew I didn't want to be a man. I wanted to be a woman. I actually, um, around that time, started to raid my mom's closets and started to sort of, you know, in private, dress myself up as a woman. Um, I used to do that like every night when my parents went out and stuff, and or even when they were in the same house, you know, even home. Um, and, you know, I used to, it was really a big part of me, and it was not about the clothing for me. It was, I wanted the body parts. It wasn't about clothing. It wasn't about the dress. It was really about the, the body parts that I really wanted to be different. Um, then as I was going through, you know, puberty and that sort of stuff, I had, you know, very confusing time for a kid and that kind of stuff. But by the time I was in high school, um, very vivid memories of, um, dressing often and going out dressed. And by the time I got my license, I was even driving down to New York City as a woman. Um, and that that went through all through high school, all through college, my entire life through that part of it. Um, it was sometime, you know, that part of my life that it sort of between wanting that for myself you know, emotionally or how I identified, you know, as, as my sex, I didn't have any, um, really didn't have any relationships. I didn't really go out with girls or anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and cause I really wanted to be more, be a girl. And, and so I wanted to be different and I sort of, you know, I felt jealous, I think is the best way to put it of women, um, and how they looked and how they, how, you know, they, identified and soft and just everything about it and then it was around that time that um in similar time frame when i was like 13 and that sort of stuff the other big thing that happened in my life is that we landed on the moon you know mm -hmm. around that same time you know when i was you know very young um same impressionable time we landed on the moon and I wanted to be an astronaut. And it's funny because I wanted to be a female astronaut. Yeah. And there were no female astronauts at all. But it very much, uh, you know, got me involved in flying. Um, because a, a cousin of mine took me up in a small airplane and I said, I want to do this. And so where I wasn't focused so much on my, you know, my sexuality or my you know, how I was presenting that stuff, I got very, very involved in flying. Mm -hmm. I started taking flying lessons when I was 13. Oh, wow. Um, I sold on my 16th birthday, which is the first day the FAA allows you to do that. And I got my private pilot's license on my 17th birthday, which is the first day the FAA allows you to do that. So my mom used to say all the time, he can fly an airplane alone before he can even drive a car alone, is what she used to say to me, say to everybody. Um... So that was a big other part of my life. And I and I still at that point wasn't sure whether or not I wanted to go into the airlines or wanted to go in the military. Um, but again, I knew, especially in high school, that I was very wanting to know about whether it be possible for me to change my gender. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I read a, uh, I think it was a, uh, 
science fiction uh, novel, and then one of it was about people who could change their gender back then, and that you could just implant your mind in a new gender, a new body, and how there were couples and stuff, and that they would just change gender and then, you know, spend the next part of their life in the, the different gender. And that was like, oh my God, if I could just do that, it would be like everything that I ever wanted to do, kind of Some, Sounds too easy. Yeah. But yeah. also super, super complicated. Yes, exactly. You know, just take the brain and just move it to a new body that they would, you know, grow or whatever. That's the way they, they it was in the novel that I read. Um, but so I started research about, you know, what it would take to, you know, where there's such things as changing genders for real. And I actually went to the public library, which is, there was no internet, you know, and the only way you could research things. And the more and more I researched, the more and more I knew, especially living in New York and hearing the news and stuff, that it was a really tough life to even consider for, you know, forget changing your gender, even being gay or any of that kind of stuff or identifying in the LGBTQ spectrum, but they didn't even have those words, LGBTQ, back then. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well... I guess this is something I can't do. I'll just live cross-dressing. And then that's where I sort of put my focus was, you know, I'm just going to cross-dress. And that's where I sort of thought I was. And then I knew to do what I wanted to do to be either an airline pilot or an astronaut that I was going to have to go in the military and be a military pilot. So when I went to college and studied engineering, which is what I really wanted to study, because that's what you do if you want to be an astronaut or you want to do that, you have to study engineering. And I started out in aeronautical engineering. Um, and meanwhile, I already was you know, a fully accomplished pilot before I even got to college. But I really threw myself into my flying besides sort of to the detriment of you in college, actually, at that time. Um, I did really poorly my first two years in college. But I was part of ROTC because I knew I wanted to become an Air Force pilot at that point because it's the only way to become an astronaut or an airline pilot. It's the only way to get the the hours that you needed to do that. That's where all the airlines were pulling everybody from. And so uh, I joined ROTC. And, you know, I very soon in that part, did what a lot of people describe as when they're transgender and I overcompensated for my inability to transition and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. threw myself into accomplishments and not my personal self, you know, and, you know, overachieved, you know, in terms of what I could try to do and try to be the manly man or whatever, you know, as, as was being seen. I joined a wrestling team. I bulked up my body. You know, I mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wrestled in my last year of high school. Um, and I had no interest. I was not involved in sports like at all until my last year in high school and then going into college and that sort of stuff. And I, uh, I did all that. And I, as I said, I joined ROTC and I rose up to the point where I was the, by my senior year, I was the commander of all cadets in my college, you know, running the entire, there were 300 cadets in my ROTC class. Yeah, it was a really big ROTC class. Um, And I knew that I wanted to be an Air Force pilot, and I knew that I was going to, you know, go do this in the military. And I knew I wanted to be a fighter pilot. That's what I wanted to be. Um, So, 
after college, uh, I joined, you know, I went active duty, went to flight training. Of course, I graduated number one in my flight training class, mm-hmm. got my pick of airplane that I wanted to fly because that's what happens when you're number one in your class. Um, and I got to fly, you know, went to survival training and I went to, uh, you know, the fighter lead-in training, which is at Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico. And then I went to the F-111 training, which is, that was like the coolest airplane then back then. That was before we had uh, F-16s and F-22s and F-35s or any of the current stuff. And so I wanted to be an F-111 pilot. Um, I went to F-111 training, which was in Mountain Home, Idaho and was the top gun in my F-111 training. And then I went into my operational unit, which was over in Upper Hayford in England. Uh, And that's where I was stationed for the next three years after all the different trainings and stuff that I went through. So it was all the way back then that I really knew that I was trans. And then my life took a lot of different paths from there. That's sort of when things went sort of different than I expected them to go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Part of becoming a a pilot and being successful in the military was you had to get married. (laughs) That's just like, that was expected of you. And I met a woman and got married, Um, wanted to have a kid, uh, had a, you know, had a son. And I knew my wife had a lot of you know, mental health issues and stuff. And so very soon after that, um, in that part of my life, I became more of a caretaker. Um, and so the, my focus ended up being caretaker first of my wife. And then I ended up getting divorced and sole custody of my son. I had sole custody. She had no custody, not even visitation rights initially. Okay. And so I ended up then raising my son from the time he was eight years old. Um, and then I got remarried as part of, you know, still raising my son and my new wife helped me raise my son. And it wasn't until just recently, basically what happened, and this is a really strange sort of interesting thing, how I got back into having all my feelings again, was my wife, my new wife had a lot of health issues, you know, not mental health, but physical issues. She was mm-hmm. a, she's a childhood diabetic. Um, and she lost her kidneys and she was on dialysis and then she had, she got a transplant and this was all through, you know, my time with her and then with raising my son. And even after my son was grown, it was the question of taking care of my wife. But what happened was that COVID came around and she got hospitalized right at the beginning of COVID, not from COVID, but from something going on with uh, her losing her kidneys again after she had had her transplant. Her kidney, you know, kidney transplanted kidneys only last about 20-something years at the most. And we were already up to 23 years that she oh, had wow. had a transplant. Many people lose their, their transplanted kidney after only 10 years. So most of the doctors are actually amazed that it lasted this long. So she was hospitalized for three months right at the beginning of COVID. And... While she was in the hospital, I couldn't visit. So now, instead of being a caretaker, I started to think about myself. Mm -hmm. First time in a very, very long time. And then all my feelings that I had way back when, when now I could only focus on myself because I was alone. My son is living by himself, you know, and my wife is in the hospital and I had like two months of alone. And 
wow, and I started to dress right away. And so even before I could even tell my wife before she got home from the hospital and, and like, oh my God, I really, it's not just dressing. I really want to be a woman is what I want to be. And so my wife got home. I told her, you know, right away. I mean, I, her and I have no secrets from each other. We have just fabulous relationship that way. And I knew it would go pretty well, actually. I was really lucky. The, the woman I married um, is was bisexual when I met her, and she had been in a three-year lesbian relationship before me. Oh, okay. okay. Now we've been together for 23 years after her three-year lesbian relationship. And so the moment I got home, she got home, I told her right away, she says, that's okay. I had you for 20 years as a guy. I'll get you for the next 20 years as a woman. <laughs> How lucky am I? You know, honestly. That's, um, pretty dang lucky, I'd say. Pretty damn lucky. So I have a really good support system for my transition. And uh, again, it took about uh, just about a little more than a year, not quite a year, like nine months before I decided to go on home and I started therapy with a with a therapist right away to make sure this is what I wanted to do. So I think in sometime like April, my, my wife got home from the hospital in like March and by April I decided to go see a therapist, a, you know, at least somebody who was familiar with transgender issues. Mm -hmm. um, started to talk with her about my feelings, about my growing up and all that sort of stuff. And she said, it's very funny, very quickly she said to me, you know what, um, and I was still being called Paul back then, she said, Paul, you are like the most put-together transgender person I have ever come across that you know exactly what you want, you know how to go get it, and you've got a great support system, you're not at risk at all, like, you need to go get on hormones. <laughs> gave you the swift kick in the butt out of the door, go yeah, get them already. Go get them already, and so... I first went to Planned Parenthood because I didn't want to deal with my whole, my medical system first. Mm -hmm. I went to Planned Parenthood, which is very gender affirming here in New York. They put me on hormones literally the day I went. <laughs> That's like informed consent, right? Yeah, informed consent, exactly yes. what it was. And then afterwards, like, they, they, I wasn't really too thrilled with their whole system and I did a lot of research from that moment on on hormone therapy and what was good and what was bad and looked up everything you could find on the internet, joined subreddits, you know, reddits and all this kind of stuff about, you know, male to female hormone therapy and did a lot of research on it. And, you know, that's one thing I would tell anybody who's considering being transgender and transitioning, go be your own advocate, advocate for yourself. Because there are so many doctors who will try to help you, but they don't know. They haven't done the research, most of them. So you have to advocate for yourself to get the best transition possible. Um, and I was starting, you know, 60, you know, age 60. And so I needed to, uh, you know, really make sure I did it right and safe. And as I sit here today, I lost, you know, compared to my before when my wife was in the hospital that you know, just a little over two years ago, so two and a half years ago, I weigh almost a hundred pounds less than I did. Uh, I lost, you know, uh, you know, and that was even before I started to take hormones. Um, I wanted to, I all of a sudden cared about myself. I cared about how I was going to look as a woman, how I was going to represent myself, and I cared about my body. 
I started out, I was diabetic on metformin with an A1C of 8.4, and I was hypertensive on three different medications, um, maxed out on two, taking the third one was hydrochlorothiazine, which is a diuretic, and I was already taking 25 milligrams of that, and my cardiologist was like, I don't know where we go from here. You're, you know, your blood pressures are running 150 over 100, and you're on all these medications, and you know you're extremely, you know, hypertensive, and your your health is at risk. And that was before I made the decision. And as I sit here now, my A1C is 5.0 on nothing, no diabetes medication, and I dropped all of my uh, hypertensive. I'm on no medication for height for blood pressure. And my blood pressure's run 120 over 70. Dang, quite the change then. Quite the change. And so, I was so. hypertensive ever since I was like 27 years old. Dang. So 30-something years I was hypertensive. And so part of my hypertensive was not just my health and my weight. It was my internal struggling mm-hmm, with my mm-hmm. own gender. And it's clear to me now that, you know, and my cardiologist is just floored, I see the same cardiology, he's like, I don't know how you did this, like, not only are you no longer hypertensive, but you have great blood pressure, you're at peace with yourself, and you look fantastic, and he's like really just thrilled, and and it is, besides the weight loss, it's also that I no longer have that internal struggle that I used to deal with in my own self, you know, that, and so that's made a big difference in my life. There you have it. That's where that sort of brings you up to date. <laughs> well, I guess cool, I should mention cool. also, um, I've been living full-time as a woman since January 2022. So going on 10 months, I've been living full-time now as a woman. How has that been since since switching to full-time? The, 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 the process of changing takes quite a bit. You know, there's a lot to go through socially, dynamic-wise. Um, people, family, coming out, the whole coming out thing is a, is a huge thing, you know, and it's not necessarily the easiest thing to do, and there's lots of emotional struggles with that, not because I didn't want to be who I wanted to be, but telling, my wife was easy, telling the rest of my family, telling my son, who I actually delayed part of my transition because of him, because he was going to, he was had met a woman, they were engaged, and we was going to get married during COVID. And it got delayed by almost a year because of COVID. And I didn't want my transition to be the focus in his marriage. And mm-hmm. so I knew it would be. I knew both him the way he would react, the rest of the family would react. So I, I was very tactical <laughs> in when I decided to start my hormones and when I told him. So literally went to, went to his wedding. He went on his honeymoon. He came back. I said, "Let's go out to dinner." <laughs> the next, <laughs> and I told him and his wife the very next, the first first day I saw them after their honeymoon, um, and that was quite a how shock. Was that, how was their reaction? How yeah, it was, it was a shock. I was going to ask how their reaction was and, and how how their well, their initial reaction was their initial reaction was, "Oh my, um, this is a lot to process." We just need to, like, let's not talk about it anymore. We need to process it. And both him and his new wife said exactly the same thing. We need to process this. 
we'll come back to you later. <laughs> so I knew it was, you know, tough. And honestly, I've told now, you know, all my social circles, everybody obviously knows, all my family, um, and all my friends and everything else knows, and all my professional relationships. And he was the hardest. My son was by far the hardest. And, um, you know, we both... You know, he's very intelligent, too, and we decided that the best thing would be for us to go to family therapy and find a neutral therapist to talk about my transition and how it affected both he and I. Um, and it's been really good. Really good. Came out really well. That's, that's good that you had the, um, the, th the therapist um, aspect, um, had that neutral party in there to, to discuss things. And I'm assuming... I'm assuming, maybe I shouldn't assume, but I'm assuming that he, he probably asks questions that to you or about you that probably may have been uncomfortable in a non-therapy setting, maybe? Well, so we had, we had a, so we work together. I, I own a business and mm -hmm. he owns a business. And a few years ago, uh, even before COVID, I became the CEO of his business and helped buy out a partner that he had. And I brought him into my business to be the president of my company. Um, so we have two fairly large companies with, you know, you know, over 50 employees each. And, and, you know, so we've been involved in each other's lives every day. Yeah. 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 yeah so we couldn't just avoid it or avoid each other kind of things. Mm -hmm, so. mm -hmm. But we didn't discuss any of the transition issues until, you know, he was ready to discuss them. He really was letting it be his timetable. And I also let it his be, be his timetable to tell our staffs of the different companies as well. That makes sense. It's one of those things where, like, you've had, like, pretty much your whole life to think about stuff and process things. And to have that big shock thrown at somebody is, is quite shocking um, for the exactly. other people, typically. It really is. It really was. Hmm. How, um, I kind of want to go back to the, when you were in like the military stuff. Did, sure. um, I'm just curious about where, did, were you like suppressing a lot? Like your, your feelings about your gender then? Or were you still like cross-dressing in, in secret or? I wasn't, you know, in the military, it'd be really, really tough to continue cross-dressing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Like, you know, and believe me, and I was an officer and, you know, it would be career ending immediately, you know, if any of that mm -hmm. got out or even circles or even if I got seen. So I put it away. I actually completely put it away for the entire time it was in the military. And... So I didn't really, because I, I had so buried it in my own mind, you know, for a dozen years. Um, no, it didn't really, it didn't affect me. I had thrown myself into the career in the military um, and in my success of the military and my success in flying and everything else. And that was my total focus sort of in life, not my own self, but my achievements. Okay, so you just kept yourself kept yourself so busy, right. to like uh, distract distraction, and yeah, and, it, and, it, and achieve your goals, of course. Right, and and 
by not only just busy, but being like the top of everything I could be. Like I was a captain after my first operational tour where I was stationed in England, sitting nuke alert and everything else over in England. Um, and literally, as we say, tip of the spear uh, in terms of, you know, NATO versus, you know, the Warsaw Pact back then. But when I came back, I took a job in the B-1 Bomber System Program Office, and my job was to be, you know, involved in, you know, project management, that sort of stuff. And I was a captain, and I discovered a major problem with uh, with my engineering staff on the B-1 Bomber, and I got very involved in that, and I rose up in that ranks that I was holding the Lieutenant Colonel's billet, uh, at the time, even though I was two grades below that, um, I was working crazy hours, you know, 14-hour type days, and I was traveling three weeks out of every month um, in the military, um, again, focusing on my, my achievements. Um, I was briefing members of Congress on what was going on on the B-1 bomber program. I mean, I was, you know, and I was only like 27, 28 years old at the time. Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm had a crazy responsible position. I was responsible for a $500 million project myself. Um, Dang. You know, and had you know, matrix managed with other engineers. And then my son had been born right around then, and, and I decided to get out of the military because I didn't want to, I was traveling so much, I didn't want to have that relationship with my son. And I got out of the military and I sought a job and I ended up be getting a really good job again, overachieving. Where I was the director of programs for a systems and software engineering company here on the East Coast that that consulted with you know major avionics manufacturers on defensive avionics systems, um, and I was director of all their programs. So, oh wow! Quite the achievements. Yeah. What uh, do you have any achievements that you're like you're most proud of? The, probably that was the most interesting achievement, but. You know, after that, my, my focus changed. I became much sort of more family-oriented and, you know, wanting to take care of my son and dealing with my, my at the time, wife's mental health issues, and that became much more of my focus. Mm -hmm. uh, and not soon, not sometime after that, was like three or four years after taking on that job, my mom passed away, and my mom and dad owned mm -hmm. a small um, uh, food manufacturing, you know, food, uh, food company where they did corporate cafeterias in various office buildings and that sort of stuff. And my dad said to me, uh, why don't you come take over the family business? You know, uh, his desire to do it had kind of waned with the loss of his wife, you know, my mom. And so um, I said, sure. And opportunity to trade my, my job of being in the defense industry for something that I would own myself kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I joined my, my dad's company at the time. And with the with the proviso, I said to my dad, because he was working crazy hours too. He was working, you know, twelve hour days and that kind of thing. And I said to him, Dad, I can I'll join the company as long as I can grow the business to where I don't have to be in the kitchen all the time. <laughs> 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 and so that's what I did. And that again, my focus was on growing that company. Uh, you know, started out when I when I joined the company, we had three corporate cafeterias and. I quickly grew the company to where we had 13 corporate cafeterias and then 15 corporate cafeterias. And uh, then it was about 2006 and the downturn happened. 
uh, in the industry and by this time I'd already was you know the sole custody of my son and had gotten divorced and stuff and uh, so many of the cafeteria you know the, we had the huge downturn you know the recession time and so I sold off all the cafeterias and decided to go into um, corporate catering in here in Westchester is a very affluent area and lots of corporations and so we did corporate catering and that moved off into doing um, you know subcontracting for other companies um, and then uh, doing other work for uh, catering to colleges and universities and then I decided to branch out into doing other stuff with the company um, and we ended up doing uh, work for a um, an immigration detention facility and built a whole new kitchen facility to fit to service this immigration contention detention facility um, under working for the Department of Homeland Security and then I decided to start doing Meals on Wheels um, and very quickly won a whole bunch of contracts for doing that um, where we're serving most of Queens mm -hmm. oh, wow. <laughs> a very large area for Meals on Wheels uh, and then branched out into doing um, what's called um, co-manufacturing where we were manufacturing diet meal programs for other companies and then eventually did that for my own brand as well and that sort of brings me up to now <laughs> okay okay has um transitioning has that affected your business at all i'm very fortunate that my son decided to come into my business and i into his and when i came out to him i still stayed in the business until i started to become my physical changes would not be able to be hidden anymore from my staff mm. and so he suggested I stay home till he was ready for me to come out to my staff and so I stayed home and ran things from home um, and he went into the business so no there's really had no effect from that standpoint been very lucky okay. have you been back since yeah how and is that my staff how? Fine. but I I told each of the staff that I would interface with individually ahead of time. Oh, okay, okay. Were there any of those that were just, I don't know, maybe you were a little more nervous about or afraid about? Well, people or? I was very nervous about, but it's just been amazing. You know, I think, and definitely part of living in New York, you know, you're so exposed to the LGBTQ, you know, environment here in New York, mm -hmm. as I'm sure you are in California. Um, everybody's been completely accepting not one negative input at all honestly and people that I thought I would have issues with have completely surprised me and I know that's not true you know you can't take my experience all over the rest of the country but I've been very fortunate very very mm -hmm. fortunate mm -hmm. yeah cause I, I mean I'm, I'm from Texas so I mean I've I've grown up with a lot of negative negative things um, and even I've only been in California a little over a year and I've still I've still encountered some not so positive things hmm. um, of course I'm not fully out and I'm working on it <laughs> um, but there for me it's mostly work uh, there's definitely like one there's one specific work person that I've just had a discussion with um, after a long day of work and I'm just talking about just whatever and that guy starts talking about like anti-trans stuff and just like a bunch of transphobic stuff and, and I'm like well that's the guy I don't want to talk to 
Um, so uh, it's it's complicated and it, you know, for me. And I will tell you though, like I so I had a similar experience before I came out, before I even told my son, mm-hmm. um, where we were discussing something about you know HR policies and that sort of stuff, and I was discussing with like one of my director of op- operations. Um, and also my son in the room, and we were talking about HR type of thing. And I forgot the exact discussion, but it centered on something where, you know, well, you you can't call everybody he if even if they maybe identify he. Somehow that came up as part of the subject um, because it was it was talking about how we as management should act in front of you know our other our employees, and it got mentioned. And my son said something that. You know, really scared me that it was going to be really bad telling him. And he said to me, he said I to the, he wasn't speaking to me. He was speaking to the director of office. And we were talking. We got to the subject specifically about transgender people. Um, and he said to my director of operations, he said, "Well, those people all just have a mental health issue anyway. You know, they're just you know, but, you know, yeah, we got to be careful. But they're they're all just you know, they have a mental health issue." So that was his view of it, was that they were all had you know, a problem. Mm-hmm. So it made me very scared to tell my son when I was first going to tell him, because that was, he had, not knowing that I was in transition already, came mm-hmm. out of that mm-hmm. statement. So it was interesting. Dang. Yeah, I don't, that, that's really the only person that, like, I've, talk to that I have any kind of a personal relationship with um, especially sure. recently with like you know on hormones and stuff um, but I will tell you surprisingly when I did finally tell him and I confronted him as part of therapy that he had said that and interesting enough his experience was totally different with other transgender people that he'd met so far beforehand as he described it, many of those people did have some mental health issues, irrespective of the fact that they were trans. Mm-hmm. And so his perception was that the people he met, that if you're trans, you have, many, you know, he reversed the, the, the issue in thinking that, well, if you're trans, that, that the trans was why, was the, was the result. When it wasn't, that was just how they manifest other mental health issues that mm-hmm. they had. Mm-hmm. And once he understood more about me also being trans and why and what and the history of it and that sort of thing, he had a totally different perception about it. So part of it is our ability to educate people. And once they're faced with somebody who's together and knows who they are and know, and very confident in, what they, in, in their presentation, what they are, his perception of it was totally different. Um, which was very encouraging, obviously, where, you know, um, so I think people, you know, they hear things in, in, in the world and they, you know, they form opinions and, but when they're faced with the reality of somebody that they actually know, and now that they had, you know, at least hopefully a decent opinion of, when they're faced with that realization in front of them often their perceptions and their attitudes will change and so i think that's really why we have to as transgender people 
take it, be out there, and not be afraid to, you know, tell the world, hey, I'm normal and this is me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I know for me with that guy, I I tend to be the person who calls for help. So it's it's I don't know. That's kind of funny to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. So it means he looks up to you from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. At least professionally, looks up to you, right? Oh yeah. So his opinion of you is obviously, from a professional standpoint, very good. So his attitude, once you do tell him, ultimately, I assume you will, his attitude to yours will probably change, and the attitude towards most transgender people will probably change. And we have that effect on people. We, you know, we are such a small part of society. You know, the estimation is like 0.5 of a percent of society. So many people haven't, they might have heard or seen or watched stuff or heard all the jokes or heard all the, you know, the, how we've been discussed or portrayed in society and on media. But when they come to really face somebody and somebody who they know, often their opinions get changed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it'll happen. I mean, I'm, I know I'm, I'm, I'm definitely coming out to people, uh, kind of on a one-by-one one basis, but it's, I'm sure where it's getting out. And, and that's probably the best way is on a one-to-one. It's really great to be able to tell people yourself. Um, and it's best, I definitely found out, you know, I, I went to, um, have you ever heard of the Keystone Conference? Mm-mm, never heard of it. There's a conference, probably the largest transgender conference that happens in the U.S. Uh, typically happens in March, and it's in Pennsylvania. Um, they had people from all over the country who come. There's usually, you know, several hundred transgender people show up. Um, mm-hmm. And often cross-dressers as well who are considering transition as well. And there's, it's, you know, four days or five days of workshops and classes and, you know, everything you could want to know about, you know, how to write a coming out letter, how to tell family, um, you know, what's facial feminization surgery like, you know, what, what hormone therapy, like every single thing, you know, dress comportment, how to walk, you know, heels, like every single thing you can think about, there's a class on. Often it's hard to pick out which class you want because on any given time slot, there's like 14 different classes. It's that mm-hmm. big of an event. Okay. Um, you know, it's huge. I see. <laughs> probably too many options at the same time that you want to do it is unfortunately they run some of the classes at multiple different times on different days you know they'll run the same class later on in the in the week so that you can actually see what you want to see Um, and then there's a big gala ball and a dance party afterwards and that kind of stuff and during the week we go out all together to local restaurants and stuff and you know so you're your authentic self the whole time and stuff and everything um but, and you get a chance to talk to a lot of other people. I got a chance to talk to a lot of other people, a lot of business owners uh, who th- were there with their wives and stuff who already come out or transitioned and that sort of stuff. So it's a very affirming, I think it's during their 13th year. This oh, wow. Yeah, it's not like a brand new thing. Um, they obviously took a hiatus, you know, for you know, a year or two of COVID. Yeah, March of 2020 they weren't, and March of 2021 they weren't. But I went in March of 22. Is when I went. 
Have you only been the one time? Yep, i only been the one time so far. And really, good thing I definitely highly recommend it. Obviously, it's a much further for you to travel all the way from you know, Pennsylvania, from, but it's definitely worth it. And there's plenty of people who come from far afield in the U.S. Um, but anyway, so that's where I learned a lot of things. And I actually learned how to write a coming out letter and the important aspects of doing it and how to come out to people and learn some good, you know, good words to wise, like, don't just show up and surprise somebody if they knew you beforehand. Like, make sure they know ahead of time so they have time to process before they mm -hmm. actually get to see you. Yeah, I was going to ask if you had any tips for, for coming out. You that is that? definitely one of them. Um, and if you want, I'll actually share my, my coming out letter or email that I wrote based on this class that I took. I'd be glad to share it with you. But, yeah, it, um, I think it'd be really cool maybe if you separately recorded recorded you reading it okay and i could i could attach to the end of this episode sure you got if you're to. interested in doing that i think that'd be really cool yeah okay, i'll do cool. that cool cool i think that'd be really really awesome um but one of the things like for instance i had to actually come out to somebody today that oh, i had okay. not to. strangely enough there's a maintenance guy who maintains aircraft uh at the airport that i had not seen in three years the last time he saw me, I weighed 100 pounds more. <laughs> I was a guy. And he said, oh, just come by and I'll write out this thing for you to put in the airplane. And, you know, that way you'll be in the maintenance records. And I said, okay. And thought about it. And like, uh, he says, and then he texted me later on and said, I'm here. Come on in. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I need to talk to you first. <laughs> come find <laughs> <And> me. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I called him up and I said, listen, I just want you to know. I'm not the same person that you used to know. He was still calling me by my old dead name at the time, mm -hmm. you know, even then. He said, I need you to know that, you know, I've been transgender for, you know, since before you, you know, last time you saw me and been living as a woman for six months. And, you know, I, when you see me, I'm not anything like what I used to be. And I don't want it to be a shock for you. And he gave a little bit of a pause over the phone. Okay, all right, and all right, well, I'll see you when you get here. <laughs> and when I got to see him, he was, hey, and said my dead name. He didn't know even my new name at the time. Hey, how you doing? I went over, shook his head. Great, I'm doing fantastic. He says, wow, you look fantastic. I said, yeah, I feel fantastic. We just took up right where we were before. There you go. That sounds um, pretty cool. Yep. How, how has that been? I'm assuming you've come out to um, old army or army, old um, uh, the air force. Yep. I'm so I came okay. out to, how, how has that been like coming out so to like I came older? Out to a friend just recently um, over the phone that I hadn't mm -hmm. come to in a long time. You know, from that standpoint, and and he was like very conservative, and I really thought it might be an issue. And I thought I might lose him as a friend. You know, I was very nervous about it. Um, and I called him up and, you know, I said, listen, we talked about some other stuff and caught up and that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I've been only recently, I haven't been active on my previous Facebook account at all. And I said, started a new Facebook account and been active on that. And, you know, he asked me about why I wasn't active on my Facebook account anymore because that's the way we used to connect and stuff. And I said, well, because there's something I need to share with you. Uh, you know, I, I'm 
you know, it's very personal. And no, I'm not sick or anything like that. Because that's everybody immediately goes to the feeling, oh, you must be sick. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That must be it. I said, no, I'm not sick. But it's something very personal and something I'm very, you know, it's actually made me much healthier. And that's how I usually start by saying it. I said, and the fact of it is, I'm transgender. And that's basically how I come out. And I've been in transition for, you know, a couple of years. And I don't look anything like I used to look like. And I have a new Facebook account. And right away, it was like, really? Really? Like, tell me about that. And, you know, immediately asking questions. And, uh, oh, you have to friend me on your new Facebook account. <laughs> it was, and it turned out to be much smoother than I thought it was going to be. You know, the, the reality is the media portrays us in a very bad light and portrays people's reactions to people who are transgender in a very bad light. With a vast majority of people, especially people who you know, are very, very accepting. They really are. I haven't run into a single person who's not who said, "Oh, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore" or anything like that. Not one single person have I run to, faced with the reality that this is me and I'm the same person you knew. You know, mentally inside, I'm the same person. Yeah, my hormonally, I might be different, so I might have a little mm -hmm. more, you know, emotional response to things or that kind of stuff. But my logic, my you know, my intellect and all that is the same person you knew, and the, I, I don't. I'm not upset at my prior experiences or any of that kind of stuff. And I'm also not like, you know, you, the media portrays that most transgender people are very militanistic about, you know, uh, gender pronouns and how they're being called. And they get, you know, you just see images and, and videos on, you know, YouTube of, you know, transgender people screaming at people, you call me by this and this. The vast majority of us, I don't think, are going to react that way. And so it, it portrays how people think you're going to be, like where, because that's their image that they've taken from media experiences, that you're going to be like that. And, and when they find out you're not like the mm -hmm. media, they're very, very accepting. Like I've told most people, hey, your gender is, you know, you mistake me and say me by my dead name or call me he by accident, like, I was that for 60 years. You get a pass, believe me. I'm not going to get upset. Would I like you to call me? And I appreciate it if you would please try to use my name, Ashley, and call me by my pronoun, she, her. Yes, I would like you to try to do that. Oh, I'm going to do the best I can, you know, is how people typically react. And, and then when they slip up, they're like, oh, I meant to call you she, like they get very defensive, like, oh, I, I didn't mean to do that. I said, it's okay. It's okay. It doesn't really bother me that much. You know, I, I'm not disappointed in the life that I've had so far. I'm very happy with the life that I've had so far. I have a great, great wife, a great son, you know, a great business, all this kind of stuff. I'm happy with who had the life that I've lived and the choices that I've made. I'm very happy to, you know, tell you all about it. And, you know, if you could just do me a favor and try, that's all I can ask. You make a mistake, you get a pass. Don't worry about it. And right away, that makes put people at ease because they, you know, they really have this bad image of what transgender people are from mm -hmm. what's going in the media. And so we need to help dispel that so that, you know, they are, because that's how we'll get accepted. 
by dispelling those those you know misrepresentations of ourselves that are folk and not that people aren't like that some people need that affirming nature I'm not saying there's anything wrong with needing that but not all of us are like that so you need to be supportive you know we need to help support that we're just like regular people and please accept us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I know I I get I get called um, he him sir and all that stuff all the time uh, but like for myself you know I'm I'm fully aware of you know how I look especially at work like I'm not uh, I don't know it doesn't it doesn't really bother me too much sometimes it kind of does but uh, I don't know it, it's definitely a, a case-by-case basis I think oh I know and don't get me wrong I stealthed at work as the owner of the business where mm-hmm. I was showing up wearing baggy shirts and baggy clothes even in summertime <laughs> where I already had some significant boob growth and I mm-hmm. was like it became more and more difficult to stealth and I had to make more and more experience you know I was taking my nail polish off every Monday morning putting going to the man, for manicure every Friday um, Removing that, I'd gone through laser already. Laid my, I had no hair on my arm, so I was wearing long sleeves even in the, in the middle of summer and stuff, and got rid of my legs and had to tell my, my, my best friend at work. You know, the guy who was my best friend and my son. Oh, I just, I don't like the way, the way hair feels on my arms or legs anymore. I decided to get it taken. You know, get rid of it all. You know, you know. So I, I was doing that stealth thing at work too. So I, and then obviously still being called. Sh- he and everything mm-hmm. else, and my dead name. And I did that for quite a while, and, and, and so I know what you're talking about exactly. Yeah, well, it's it's a little different from my work because I the the uniform, it's the uniform. It it's it's very um, unisex, I guess. It's mm-hmm. you know like tan button up shirt, dark blue khaki style pants, and Work boots, you know, you can't have any makeup. Not that I would really want to wear makeup for my job. Can't have fingernail polish. Can't have ears pierced. I'm not supposed to have long hair. It's it's not good. And then even the people that do know about me, I don't know if they purposely use the him stuff to, you know, try to keep secret in or whatever at work or if it's... Um, just their mental thing. I don't really try to, you know, correct them or anything. Right. And you probably shouldn't, because for all you know, they're just trying to help you. Mm-hmm. I honestly, my, my feeling on the whole pronoun subject is that as long as I don't feel, and I tell people this specifically, as long as I don't feel you're doing it to make me feel bad, that there's no ill intent, mm-hmm. I'm fine. Honestly, I don't care if you make mistakes, if you call me the wrong gender, you call me by my dead name. As long as I don't, in my feeling, feel like you're doing it purposely to make me feel bad, I'm okay. I, you know, I'll be fine with it, you know, as long as that's how I, you know, detect that you're, you know, but the moment I feel like you are, I let you know. And then mm-hmm. if you don't react the way I'm expecting you to react, then we might have an issue. But other than that, I'm good. Yeah, I think a lot of it's intent. Right. Intent. It's really it's, you, you, 
you could just feel you, you can feel when it, when it feels right. bad and i honestly i am so secure in my own presentation and feeling about myself that if somebody says to me if there's been like if there was some sort of an intent i would flat out say to them excuse me are you intending to make me feel bad? Is that what your goal is in this? Because I just want to clarify what's going on here. Are you calling me? And unfortunately, I've never had to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Strangely enough, my wife next to me has sometimes corrected people and say, uh, no, that's a she. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's been my biggest defense. <laughs> so, but more so than I am, actually. So, but... I already know what I would say, and I already know that if I felt friend or no friend or just acquaintance, if somebody is actually going to do it to purposely make me feel bad, I'm going to hit them right between the eyes and say, is that your intent? Is it your intent to make me feel bad? Because it is, you know, mm-hmm. making me feel bad. I'm, I'm feeling like you're doing this purposely to make me feel bad. and. If that's their reaction, then they have no business being in my life. Boy, um, I wish I had that. <laughs> I wish I had that. <laughs> it's a confidence. It's, it's a it's a it's a it's a self confidence that you have. Whether or not you do you, do you, do you give a damn about what other people think, or is you know versus yourself. And it took a long time to get to that place. I will. Don't get me wrong. I didn't start out that way at all. You know, when I started out, I can remember my first time going out. We, we got in the car and we went to go drive up like this highway that goes along the, you know, very beautiful tree with beautiful vistas to look at. And we pulled mm-hmm. over and I'm wearing like a red wig. <laughs> I get out of the car with my wife to go take some pictures. And somebody started to walk over. And I was scared first time I met somebody Uh-oh. other than my wife dressed up like 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 I was scared and I was not sure and I like was scared to even speak mm-hmm. let alone you know be that so it took I went from there to where I am now all in you know the space of you know a year and a half kind of thing you know it, it, it you your commitment to yourself I think is where that confidence comes from mm-hmm. and then it's built up through various um experiences over and over again like then i finally you know then coming back then and you just got to keep pushing yourself for those you know experiences where you know then we stop and go in to get you know pay for gas you know at a at some random you know <laughs> gas station well that was a little bit of a trauma experience and well now i had that experience and boy it went fine nobody even knew nobody even said a word to me kind of thing and then you, your next experience and then the next thing you're going out for dinner to try going out for dinner and then you go from going out for dinner to like oh let me go out dancing you know with some friends and you know and just do it safe go to like an lgbtq friendly place or that kind of thing or you know, then you're going out to like uh, just go shopping in your local in your super in a supermarket. Then you want to go to your local supermarket. You know, and you just you keep building up those experiences to and those each one of those experiences gives you confidence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Confidence to the point that hey, I'm okay. Like nobody said anything, and even if they did, I don't give a shit. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, that that is how it works. Yeah. 
you just gotta keep doing it. And that that's part of the reason why that's why I always tell people on the Discord. Like when they say, Oh, I don't know if I should do this, I don't know. I'm like, just do it. And I know I have my, my issues, my insecurities and my my scared stuff or what things I'm afraid of doing. Like the thing I struggle with the most really is this totally stupid to me is uh, just like going into restaurants by myself that is really hard for me to do but i can do the grocery store i can do because you're not like you have a direct interaction there Mm -hmm, but you mm -hmm. would in a restaurant you have to have a waiter come over and you have to give Mm -hmm. them an order and you have to look them in the eye and tell them what you're gonna it's a different experience than at the supermarket Mm -hmm. i can remember that experience exactly for myself my wife was still in the hospital um, and I went to go, I wanted to go out to eat for myself, and I went to this local restaurant and sat there, and I, I, well, I was nervous, very nervous, you know, and, and, you know, that this was my first experience with, you know, doing this on my own. I'd done it already with my wife, and I definitely think it helps to have, go with other people. Mm-hmm. Having that, that support system of other people you know, even to just do those activities is definitely very, very helpful, very, you know, supportive of you doing this kind of stuff. So, but you're right, doing it on your own is a oh. whole different world. For sure. Having having someone else there, like, I have no issues with that. Someone else is there, whatever, I don't care. It's no, no big deal. But, like, when I'm by myself, oh, it's so much, it's so scary. It is. <laughs> but I've gone a long way because I remember... The very first time I went to a restaurant, like, dressed up. It was Halloween. I was dressed as a witch. Of course I was a fucking witch. Um, <laughs> I went with my sister, and we, we pull up. went to an IHOP, and I'm, I'm in the car, and I'm just, like, starting to have a panic attack. And she's like, she's like, let's just, like, go in. And I'm like, you don't, you don't get this. Uh, I, need, I need to breathe. I need to stop and breathe. Eventually, I did go in, and it was an okay experience. But, but like now, I've I've gotten a lot better with the with with people, and I'm. I will challenge myself. So today, after we get done with this, because I haven't eaten lunch yet, I'll go. I will go get lunch by myself. And it does. It ultimately gets easier, and then, you know, if you decide that you're actually going to transition completely. It gives you that self-confidence mm-hmm. to say, I want to start living full-time as a woman. And so that that's what you do. And I've had the strangest... So my wife was again in the hospital when I was already... You know, it was January of this year and my wife was again in the hospital. And I went to the hospital and I still had my old ID. And just to get in the hospital, you have to give them your ID. I was scared to give them my ID of my old self. Now remember, I weighed a hundred pounds more. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I looked totally different. Like and and the woman behind the you know, and there's a, a thing in front of you and she says she takes my ID, she, you know, starts typing all the other stuff, you know, the name of the patient, blah 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 and goes like that and she picks up my ID, she looks up at me, she looks at ID uh, excuse me, you gave me somebody else's ID. This is not, I need your ID. <laughs> and she said, ma'am, I need your ID. And I was like, no, that's actually really me. <laughs> and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm transgender. And that's like a get out of jail card, honestly. At least here in New York, say you're transgender, 
everybody's fine. I'll go to, you know, until I got my, you know, I'm now legally my new name and like I have a new ID and, you know, new everything. And, but it was only recently that I did, you know, my name change, my legal name change and get my driver's license change, everything else. But I was going out to, you know, nightclubs and stuff and you have to show your ID every place mm-hmm. you go kind of thing. And, and every time I just said, I'm transgender. Oh, okay. And I look nothing like what I looked like. I mean, mm-hmm. nothing. So you go out, you go out dancing quite a bit. Every Saturday night, like tonight, and every single Saturday night I go out, no matter what. So you're gonna go out tonight? I'm gonna go out tonight. And my wife Sorry. says, "Go, go have a good time. You need to explore yourself as a woman." I'm totally supportive of that. Fun, fun. Yep. I'm gonna. I'm going to show this to you because I don't mind showing it on this kind of thing, but I'm going to show you what I looked like before. Okay. And you're going to, like everybody else that I show this to, you're going to go, no way. Let's see if I can make this. That was me. Yep, no way. (laughs) So if if you're listening to the episode, you need to watch the episode so you can actually see the difference. Yeah, yeah, no way. It's funny because this is the first time I've done it where it's like side by side. Me now, and this was only oh, yeah. like three or four years ago. Dang, yeah. Totally different person. It's not you. Totally different person, yep. Not you at all. And that's, that... what my, that's what my ID looked like everywhere I was going that I was dang, talking about. Dang, dang. <laughs> how, how is that for you, like looking at old pictures of yourself? So, I am happy with the life I've lived. Mm-hmm. I, it might I might I could see where I wouldn't feel this way if I didn't wasn't happy with the life I've lived so far, but I am. So I'm like I just find it like, wow, that was me. And I'm feel so help I'm so happy where I am now. That's how it mm-hmm. makes me feel. But I'm not upset with myself, I'm not disappointed. I like this is the life I've lived and you know, I'm glad I'm where I'm at now. You know, That's very very healthy way to look at it. And I like that. I, I think I'm pretty similar. Uh, I will say, like, for me, seeing old pictures of myself is becoming increasingly more and more, like, a completely different person, though. Same with my my old memories. My old memories are feeling like another person's memories. It's so strange. Well, I think that's part, you know, hormonally as we make that change, you know, and I've been hormonally since about last... It's been a year of where my hormones have totally swapped over, where my testosterone is like near zero and my estradiol levels are nice, you know, not not only just women, but, you know, you know, a high, you know, with a high level of women. And so that does change your thinking a little bit or your emotional response more. It's not your thinking, it's more your emotional response. Um, is how it changes it, but you know, I definitely react to certain seeing certain things differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so strange. Yep. But I'm looking at myself right now in the camera and I say, "Wow." <laughs> I know that's why. I had to, that's why I, I I'll just keep looking at myself. That's why I had to put this uh, this thing in the way. Yeah. <laughs> but you get there, you know. You, as you get more done, as you get rid of your facial hair, um, mm-hmm. and you know, I did first. I did at first. I bought one of those IPL units from Amazon. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. very, it was under a hundred bucks. That got rid of a lot of the shadow, believe it or not. Even just using that helped get rid of a lot of the shadow. It doesn't really permanently remove it the way, you know, you know, professional laser does. Um, but I wanted to get, you know, as soon as possible, be easier to just do makeup and stuff. So I went from using the IPL unit where I went and bought on Groupon. And boy, can you get great deals on laser on Groupon. Oh, yeah. For, for anybody out there looking to get your first experience, go on Groupon to get all your initial stuff done because it's one one twenty percent of the price of what you'd go not doing that. So definitely, definitely, definitely highly recommend that. So go get laser done. You know, you can get your face done. I think I got my face done for like two hundred and fifty dollars. Got rid of it. I got, you know, six sessions of laser done for that two hundred and fifty dollars or something like that. Um, so it was very reasonable. Yeah, I mean I just had um session five this morning. That's a bit a bit tender. Yeah, actually, this is actually the most painful one so far, which is crazy to me. No, no, that's right. Because what they do is, is you get to the later session, they turn it up. Mm. When they start, they're they're smart. They're taught not to have it at the highest, you know, stuff to begin with. They want to do it at a lower level to begin with, in order to make sure that you can tolerate it and you're not scared to keep going. Oh, she stopped. She stopped midway. She's like, "You're really sweaty. Um, are you okay?" <laughs> I'm like, just keep going, just keep going. Just do it, get it, get do it, it done, get it done. I'm like, turn it up higher, if anything. Well, let me tell you, electrolysis is way worse, way worse, because I've been, I'm probably close to a hundred hours of electrolysis now, but I'm older, so my a lot of my beard was gray. Mm -hmm. So okay. laser doesn't do anything on the grays, so you have to get electrolysis, which is. Where they go into each individual, you know, hair follicle and zap it. Mm -hmm. Really painful. Yeah, I have those like on my neck. It's not. It's not like all like. Uh, I feel it. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. One day I'll get rid of them, probably. Yep. And and again, I wasn't in a rush. Again, I've been doing this for a while, and I'm just going through. I'm. I'm probably like nine months into electrolysis right now and I probably have another nine months to go or something like that. I go twice a week. Okay. That's a I'm assuming a long pretty long process. Yeah. They have to go one by one, right? They go hair by hair, they you typically, you know, like a forty five minute session they can get somewhere between like three hundred and four hundred hairs or something like that. And you've mm -hmm. got like ten thousand on your face. Sure. <laughs> how, how how long can you last in like one session? Forty-five minutes is like my max. Could they, could they go longer if you could if you could like handle it? Some places would, some places won't. You can actually. There are a couple places in the U.S. There's one down in. It's actually I think in Texas, and there's another in Chicago that they'll do an all-day session with two different people working on you simultaneously, but it's doctor supervised where they do a block. A medical block so that you don't feel the pain at all ah, okay okay and so you don't feel anything you know and you're just sitting there watching tv while they're doing it for like seven hours of so which is like 14 hours of electrolysis all in one session and they can do your whole face in one day okay um but um it then you, you're so swollen it takes you a week to recover from it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> 
do you have, do you have a lot of recovery from your electrolysis now? No, it's not too bad. I can usually I drive myself home and by that night, like I typically get it around one o'clock or two o'clock in the afternoon. By that night, I'm pretty much healed up. Okay. Okay. Hmm. How did how did you find an electrolysis? Just like Google or Google, and but it very much helps to. Um, I did try to find a trans. Well, you want to find one who's somebody supportive of transgender. And the reason I say that is a lot of people just charge by the hour and a lot of women go for electrolysis and they're just trying to do like one spot. Like they're just trying to do just this or they're trying to do, you know, just under the eyebrow or they're just doing, you know, specific little areas. And so there's no discount or no, you know, no policy for if you're going to get, you know, you know, dozens of hours of electrolysis where if you find somebody who does specifically transgender that they will cut you a break in certain ways financially and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Got to keep that repeat business. Yeah. Well, we're probably the best. I mean, so part of it is if you're going to go through, through, you know, a vaginoplasty and, you know, get, you know, the full GRS, you know, gender reassignment surgery, they have to remove all the hairs down there, at least mm-hmm. you know, on the testes area because they use that part of your skin to build the vagina and then you don't want hairs growing inside you afterwards so the do- all the surgeons insist that you do that so many electrolysis people who are not familiar with transgender won't do that mm-hmm. you know that's not something they want to get involved in so finding somebody who is a you know a transgender electrolysis is definitely the way to go and many of the surgeons will have recommendations of people for you to go to okay okay yeah, I don't know if that's on my cards at the moment. And I don't know either, honestly, but yeah. I'm just knowing from... But you never know. You never know. But you never know, exactly. I'm, I'm not making... And I'll tell you, I have felt differently, definitely some words to the wise, felt differently about a lot of different things. When I first started to do this, I knew for a fact I wanted to get breast augmentation, and I didn't want to do anything down there. That's how I absolutely felt. I knew that that's what I wanted. Now, a year and a half later, I've come not full circle, but I feel totally different. I've decided at this point that I'm not going to get breast augmentation. Um, I'm going, I'm, you know, show you I'm like I'm getting pretty well myself. Just this, this is the regular me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had always dressed with a much more, you know, bosomy look. Um, and so that's why I wanted to get breast augmentation. Now I'm like, I'm happy with this size. Like, I'm happy okay. Like, if I get just a little bigger, I'll probably be pretty happy. And I don't need the big bosom that I was hoping to get beforehand. So that's a huge switch, um, honestly, because I knew that I wanted to get, you know, I wanted to have, you know, at least C-cup boobs and big boobs and that kind of now I don't feel that way. Um, and then as far as down there, I'm thinking about it, and I hadn't been. Like, at all. Like, I was definitely a no. I'm not doing it. And now I'm, you know, a year and a half, you know, on hormones, or not quite a year and a half, 16 months, but, well, maybe I will. You know, I don't know. I, you know, and and it's for interesting reasons I feel like that. It's mainly because, you know, even living now 10 months, I've been living full-time as a woman, you know, I do everything, you know, I... I don't have a stick of male clothing left, by the way, at all, mm-hmm. not one piece. So every day I go out, I'm a woman. 
Um, but I, uh, I get what's called imposter syndrome. Do you know what that is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I feel like an imposter. And, and in weird places, like not often, but in weird places, like definitely going to the beach, I feel like an imposter. Um, in public restrooms, not because anybody's looking in the stall, but I feel like I got to be careful that somebody might be looking through the crack and like looking at me. And nobody is, but I feel like an imposter at those moments. And so, and so it's only for those reasons that I'm thinking about doing it. And then lastly, I'm looking in the mirror myself, naked, and I say to myself, well, I think I'd really be much happier with myself if I did do it. But I'm scared to death of the surgery. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel you. I feel you. So. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely have the imposter syndrome stuff. Um, in a lot of areas, actually. Not, I mean, I, I feel it a lot at work when I'm in, like, male spaces now. Right. Which is kind of strange to feel. Um, and then, you know, I definitely feel them in, like, more just, like, female spaces. Um, for sure the bathroom. One of the things, I know you mentioned, like, the, the, the people looking in the cracks or whatever, but I, I, maybe I shouldn't even say this because I don't want to, like, instill this fear in somebody, but I'll say it anyway. I heard someone say, that, like, their big fear of, like, when they're in the bathroom in the, the women's room is that it, like... When they pee, it sounds different from like oh, when women okay. pee. I, so I think that's a, that, like, it's stupid. It's totally that's, stupid. That's, but that's something point. that like it's like in my mind, and I can't get out. I can't get it out of my mind, and I know it's stupid. I know it's dumb. Well, that one, I don't think we're different. Different. I've been in so many public restrooms for you know a year and a half or two years now, and like nobody listens. Nobody cares about that. I think that's something that somebody once said. And like they're just they now they've given that fear to a bunch of other people. Other oh, it's 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 people. it hit me. I know, but let me tell you, that's not not if not a realistic fear you should have because I don't think any woman would ever say something. Anyway, they wouldn't even think that honestly. Like mm -hmm. I'm very fortunate having a wife that I can have discussions on this kind of stuff, you know, mm -hmm. kind of thing. And she was like. But when I asked, I specifically asked her about that, and she was like, "What? <laughs> like, women don't listen to that to make an assessment about the person next to them. That's your own fear, that, you know, from nowhere." Honestly. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely like an internalized thing, right? For sure. But um, we are our biggest critics and our biggest fear mongers. Because of imposter syndrome, and mm -hmm. honestly, there's many things that we worry about that we don't have to worry about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely feel it. But you know, just keep going, get past it. Get so, any other curious things you want questions yet for me, or other topics um, with other people that maybe you'd find interesting discussing with me? Uh, off the top of my head, not really. Um, I, I will say, I know we discussed doing like a, I think it's Veterans Day coming up. Uh huh. So yeah. I, I think we discussed maybe doing a, a Veterans Day roundtable. Yeah, that'd be really interesting. If you'd be, if you'd be interested in doing that, I think that'd be really cool. I will definitely write questions down for that. 
I will tell you, I can give some other pointers of things that I've noticed and, you know, that okay. people will find helpful. One of the things that I find many trans women don't work enough on in terms of how they look and just some things that I've come across, how do you pass easily? And what does it take to pass, whether you're trans or CD, and what you can get away in, in regular society versus not. So one of the things that I found is if you do three things will almost always make you pass in terms of makeup I'm going to discuss first. The first is thinning your eyebrows. You know, most women pluck their eyebrows and most men never have touched their eyebrows with <laughs> anything, a scissor or anything. So just trimming and not as much as I've done mine, I do mine this thin because I have a, had a lot of gray in there and I didn't want to have gray, so I got rid of it. But trimming your eyebrows to acceptable, even trimmed look for even a man, even if you're trying to stealth as a man versus a woman, will definitely help you pass easier. So that's just my very first recommendation. Guys, the way men interpret women and the way women interpret women is slightly different. But even if your facial structure doesn't support you looking as a woman, if you do three things, you can almost always pass. And it's just where men's eyes go. Lipstick, because men never wear lipstick. So the moment you have lipstick, you immediately call into question from the, at least the way a man thinks, whether that's a man or a woman. Blush, just a little bit of blush immediately. You know, men never put blush and it totally makes you look different face-wise. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then eyes and just doing, and I didn't even do it today, but just eyeliner underneath your eye coming out a little bit on each side immediately changes the look of your eyes to the mm -hmm. point that you you will often get gendered as a woman if you just make those three changes as long as your eyebrows are you know trim but if you make those three changes you can almost always pass i'm assuming that you're going to cover you know any dark shadow that you have from shaving or that kind of stuff but if you just do those things in makeup, you don't have to spend like two hours doing your makeup in order to pass. If you just do those three things, um, is helpful to a lot of people. Yeah, I know. I, I don't. I don't really do anything on my eyebrows, but I know for me, like the lips, eyes, and the the, the blush, that really does go a long way. And normally, I would put more on, but because my face is tender. Well, that's okay. Yeah, you're just a laser and everything. Honestly, no, no, and I'm not. I'm not judging. I'm just telling you what. No, I know. I know. We have this discussion in a lot of kick groups. You mm -hmm. know, how do I pass? You know, what do I do to pass? You know, I I feel like such a, you know, a failure in doing makeup and that kind of stuff. And that's one of the things that I really learned is the, the simple, things that'll make you pass really easily. Um, and so that and literally, once you get good at doing those three things, just blush, lipstick, and that. It takes you like five minutes to do mm -hmm. it. Like mm -hmm. it does not take you an hour to get dressed in the morning. So no, it's okay. really I, I know for me, my 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 makeup routine's like fifteen twenty minutes maybe, and that's like with like foundation and stuff. Not too bad. Just just get really good at the light, like 
Lighten the lips. That really helps. Yep, it really does. Let's see, what else to tell? Um, I know for me, I have, uh, what you call I, you know, definitely some balding a little bit. And so hats are wonderful. <laughs> really, Accessorize. Accessorize. It, it, it changes you right away, right? Like I look totally different. Don't have to wear a wig when, you know, when it's hot out. Wearing a wig sucks. It really mm -hmm. sucks wearing a wig. And I have, you know, most of my, most of my, you know, Facebook pictures and my kick pictures are all with the wig that I wear. And I got a human, you know, really great wig that I wear um, often. But now I pretty much, I never wear it going out other than to go dancing. That's the only time I wear my wig is to go dancing. Mm -hmm. That's so with my wig on, most people can't tell my age at all because uh, I look probably 30 years younger with just wearing, changing the hair, you know, mm -hmm, changing mm -hmm. your hair. So I'm not blessed with hair like you. I wish I had your oh, hair. I'd be very lucky. Thank you. Thank you. Well, look at all my hair on top of your head. I, 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 know, I so wish. You know? Except right here, back here, there's a bald spot. But that's yeah, from an accident. Yeah, that doesn't no, count. No, you no, can't no, see it anymore anyway. Right. So... Accessorize. accessorize accessorize though that, that goes a long way i think yeah oh and i have a couple of different hats while we're, while we're doing show and tell oh, yeah. that hat show off some hats show off yeah. some hats i have this hat my sort of my page boy look hat you know kind of thing so that's and that you can wear in, at nighttime too you know it's acceptable like the other mm -hmm. hat you wouldn't wear going to a restaurant or out or that kind of stuff at night but this 24 hours a day you can wear it if you want um, and I got all my hats on Amazon. Hats are inexpensive, expensive to get. Should get some hats. And the best part about Amazon is get the hat. If, you don't, if it doesn't look good on you, just bring it back. You know, you get it free refunds. Yeah, you know, Amazon is the best for us because all the things to try on, all the things that go through, and yeah, I don't know about like I have a Whole Foods that's like a mile up the road. You just bring it to Whole Foods. You don't even need a box or a bag or anything. You say, here, scan my scan my thing, and you get the money back in like 15 minutes. <laughs> mm. yeah, I don't really buy on Amazon too much. So, big advantage from that standpoint. So for all you girls who are nervous about getting stuff and people not knowing about it and that kind of stuff, Amazon is a great mm -hmm. resource because you don't have to go in anywhere and try anything. You can try everything at home. And if you don't like it, you can just bring it back. And they have the lockers, so you can get stuff delivered to the lockers. Right, so if you're, so if you're healthy hiding. from family or whatever, it's even even easier that way, too. Yeah, I used to do that a lot. I used to use those lockers. I've never done that, I, you know, but I different family situations. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was hiding from my ex-wife, so. Right. But yeah, I would yeah. probably do it now just because I have roommates, so I don't want roommates to... Not that I don't worry about them like finding my stuff, but just don't want them to like steal my shit or whatever. Right. Whole other deal. Whole other deal. Um, I don't know if you wanted to talk anything about hormone effects, or I don't know if you wanted. Have you had anybody who discussed hormone therapy much with you, or not yet? Not too much, but let me um. Or let me go to the restroom. Time wise. No, we, we can go on for a little bit longer, but let me go to the restroom. Okay. Go the, and take a little break. I'll take a little break too. I'll be right back. Stop this. If you're enjoying um, my conversation or, or Ashley's story and, and you would like to share your own or 
that like to help support the podcast, you can reach me or, or even support the podcast on the crossyaspodcast.com website. Um, we have the Patreon links, which Giselle and I are recording kind of some after DDT specials lately. They're pretty fun to listen to. Some people seem to like them. I tend to not be able to not laugh when I'm recording them. So, I don't know. That's something. Uh, you can also help support the podcast by buying Giselle or myself a cup of coffee, Ko-Fi, however you say it. Um, or if you'd like to talk to um, Ashley or myself or many of the other Crossyas previous guests or listeners, you can find us on the Crossyas Confidential, which can be found by going to the Crossyas Podcast dot com website so cool okay Alrighty. and we're back we're back so hormones so hormones hormone therapy so a couple of big things um but relative to hormones and that is that many endocrinologists um We'll do hormone therapy for transgender people, but it's not their specialty. It's not what they focus on. Yes, there are, you know, standards, what's called the WPATH standards, um, which are peer-reviewed standards that are worldwide um, that give people a good starting point for hormones. But... We, as a group, are very are not a very well um, studied group of what works best. We're not, and because we're not, um, most of the most of the information that's out there for endocrinologists to refer to is, for the most part, the least is just a starting point, not necessarily the best practices of how to have your best transition. There's just certain things that they know from an endocrinology standpoint of, you know, what's safe and not safe. Um, but because there's so little studied of how to have your best, you know, development, many of them are guessing. Um, and they're just following the minimum standards. And then many people who are transgender will find that they have their they're disappointed in their transition, and they're um, they're disappointed in how far they've come for the amount of time that they put in. Because it's called transition for a reason. It doesn't happen fast. You know, you'll find people you on the web who have tremendous changes in you know just three months or six months or that sort of stuff. But then you'll have other people that have been on hormones for you know, three years, and they have very little changes. And they're saying, but what's different? Why are they different? And, they, you know, then they try to compare hormone therapies and what they were on versus what you're on. But we're all different, and we mm -hmm. all have different biologies, and we all have different, um, we all have different, you know, markers of how we would likely transition. And so you need, if you're going to transition and do hormone therapy, you need to be your biggest advocate for yourself. And you need to research it and you need to find out and discuss it with your doctor, your goals and your aspirations of what you want to achieve, what things are most important, and then what things work well and what don't. So I'm going to give you just some 
quick tidbits that I've learned in my time in doing this research and talking to, you know, I have two different transgender uh, endocrinologists that I deal with. Um, and then a third doctor who's very, probably the most well-known doctor that I deal with his office as well. Um, and I do that all because I want all of those opinions and then I make my own decision of what I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and then I bring it to my doctor and say, this is what I think is best for me. And finding yourself a doctor who agrees with those policies and procedures is so important. I hear so many people who are trans who will say, well, my doctor won't let me do that, or my doctor won't even consider those things. Well, if that's the case, and or I need to bring you know the, you know verified research to prove to my doctor, if that's the case, you're at the you have the wrong doctor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you don't have a doctor that's willing to work with you and consider other therapies than what they're doing or recommending based on their limited knowledge base. You're with the wrong doctor, and I and and you need to be your biggest advocate. Don't assume the doctor who's he, who you've went to knows what to do or what's best for you, because they don't. It's not like you know going to a cardiologist and you know telling you that you know you've got this murmur in your heart and here's what to do. Yeah, that's been studied an infinitum with you know hundreds of thousands of people who have that same condition, and they know the outcomes if you do this or you do that. They have pretty good sense. We're not that way in the transgender population. They don't have that empirical data to work on to know what is best for you necessarily. And I really want to stress that for the people who listen to or see this podcast. So key things to worry about. If your doctor is recommending that you go on an oral uh, estradiol and you're over the age of 50, that's a mistake. Okay, you're not on the right thing because what they know for a fact is that estradiol taken orally, its first pass goes through the liver, and that's very dangerous for you if you're over 40 to develop blood clots and that sort of thing if you're, if you're taking your first doses uh, over 50, and take that for somebody who's over 50, that you want to use one of the transdermal uh, pathways, which is either patches or gel. Uh, which both will not by, bypass the liver, get metabolized in the kidneys, um, and so that you're much less risk uh, in that way by having that sort of, you know, using that sort of um, pathway to get your estradiol. Um, suppressing testosterone. It's probably your your first goal, first and foremost, is to suppress testosterone rather than how quickly you get to a high estradiol level. Many people right away go on and they hear, like some of myself, like my estradiol level runs around 400 right now. And many people hear that and say, my doctor's not got me on enough, I'm not there enough, I'm not there enough, and then they're assessing that right away to their, um, where they are at. Well, one of the things that they do know is that you don't want to make immediately go to a high estradiol level while you still have high testosterone and you want to take a time titrating down where your testosterone comes down and your estradiol goes up and that should happen over like three or four months period mm -hmm. to have the best transition um, anecdotally and there's nothing to prove this but you tend to get better breast development if you titrate slowly up um, the, the girls who have the best development 
naturally versus getting breast augmentation are when they titrate up slowly those numbers and not try to do it all in like a month's time instead do it over a longer period of time. So that's one thing that I think is important for people to know. Um, WPATH standards tell, and many doctors will say, especially endocrinologists who are not knowledgeable in this area, say that, oh, you want to be between 100 and 200 estradiol. That's where you should be, and you should never go 100. If you're testing over 200 estradiol, that's dangerous, and you shouldn't do it. That is a total misnomer. That's not true. It's based on where cis women are for their long period of life and when they're going through puberty, their initial puberty, not where a woman lives in her whole life uh, mm -hmm. standards. First of all, most women who go during the time of their menses, their estradiol levels are much higher than that for a short period of time. And certainly when a woman is going, gets pregnant, for nine months of their life that they're pregnant, their estradiol levels can be in the thousand or more, mm -hmm. much mm -hmm. higher than, than what the WPATH standards are recommending. And so the people who've done any look at the anecdotal breast changes where you get the most fat redistribution, the best breast development, the best hip development and everything else, they believe that you're better off having being in a, a you know, sub 500 or around 500 topping out, maybe 600 estradiol, but you don't want to stay on that for a long time. And one of the ways I convinced my doctor, my endocrinologist is, you know, when I told him that the, these other doctors were recommending that I be higher than 200 and he was believed, oh no, no, you should just be 200. I said, no, no, you're not recommending I be at two over 200 forever. They just mm -hmm, want mm -hmm. to be at that for like a year, like, you know, somebody who's pregnant and that'll help me get better development. And he hadn't even thought about that as a, as a solution. And he had already trained, when I talked to him, he had already been treating like 30 different transgender women. And he had, and hadn't even looked into it yet. So I made this recommendation from another, you know, from, you know, what I had found out. He looked and he said, you know what, you're right. I looked into it, you're right. You'd be perfectly safe doing this for that period of time. You know, go do it. I'm supportive of it now. So I took him this information, and he changed what he was recommending based on the information I got from another doctor. And that's what I mean. You have to be your own advocate. It's not that you can't work with a doctor who believes in certain things, but it's definitely worthwhile getting other recommendations and working with a doctor, an endocrinologist, or a general practitioner who's willing to listen to you and consider other options. If the doctor believes, then know that they know best, and that's it, that, you know, that's the end of the road, you're not working with the right doctor. Mm -hmm. That's sort of what I wanted to make sure it got out there a little bit in information, because, uh, you know, there's not enough of that information passed around uh, among people who are transgender. Not for sure, and I know I don't, probably don't do enough research for myself. <laughs> Um, but I, I am coming up on my first follow-up for hormones, uh, like three days. So. And how long, when you had your first, um, what happened on your first appointment? Did they do any hormone baseline therapy, you know, find out testing where, where your hormones were? I know they, they, they took my blood, but when I go look at the, the lab results, I don't see any hormone levels. Which is what happened to me going to Planned Parenthood, and I was very disappointed. They had no idea. They put me on a certain regime, and they were testing for STDs, 
mm-hmm. and AIDS and that sort of stuff and not testing at all what my hormones levels were. And yet they were giving me a recommendation of a starting dose. And that's why actually I ended up saying I left Planned Parenthood because, and they weren't going to test, they were going to put me on that, the lowest dose of transdermal patch possible. And they were going to test me again for three months. Mm-hmm. And I didn't find that acceptable, honestly, after the research I'd done. They put me on a 0.025 patch, okay. which is like, even in WPATH, the recommended starting dose is 0.05. Mm-hmm. So they were doing half of the standard dose as the start, and they weren't even going to test me again for three months. And so I called up that Planned Parenthood doctor, and I said, you know, I did a little research, and, you know, I'm fine on this 0.025. You think you could put me on 0.05? Oh, yeah, I guess so, sure. <laughs> these were people who were recommending this all the time, and they weren't being good advocates for my for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so then I, then I switched to doing my, you know, went with an endocrinologist in my health plan, and that's where I hooked up with somebody. And, and No, we didn't test every three months. We tested every, first initially we tested once every month. Um because I wanted to know what was going on and where I was trans- transitioning to. And it's not like the, your health insurance won't support that. They will, actually. They just, that's not what WPATH recommended, so they didn't do it. WPATH was the minimum they recommended to test every three months, not, like, the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. So when, how long has it been that you're on now? I started in June, June 15th, and it's, what, October 15th now? So, so July, August, September, four months. Four months, yeah. You haven't had hormones checked yet. No, they were they were booked up because the, the 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 trans healthcare here is um, very very busy. So, I definitely recommend again being your own advocate. I found that my health insurance covers Quest. I called up my I. My doctor was too busy to call, so I texted my doc. I emailed my doctor on our health system. I said, "Do you think I could get a hormone, a base hormone level, you know, and check where I'm at right now?" Um, and they said, "Sure, you know, where are you gonna go? Do you want to come to our lab, or do you want to go to, uh, you know, where are you gonna do?" I said, "Well, I happen to know Quest does it, and I've got a Quest lab that I can schedule my appointment with right nearby, and they take online scheduling. And you know, is it okay you send the orders to Quest?" Sure. Mm-hmm. Again, part of being your own advocate. That's why I'm telling you, Billy, like, one of the things to do, be your own advocate. Find out yeah. where your, your health insurance covers and get yourself tested. Yeah, well, my health insurance isn't great. It's pretty terrible. Um, because I, I started off trying to go my health insurance route, and it was just, it wasn't, wasn't going anywhere. Um mm-hmm. So that, that's why I went the Planned Parenthood route. But, I mean, I'm still early on, so... Yep. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm there. Getting there. Okay. Good. Well, I'm glad you got four months in. What are you doing right... What Are, are you on pills or are you on trans, a transdermal? I'm on pills. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. taking... I'm fine right now. I'm doing four spironolactones a day. Is that so, 50s? I believe they're 50s. I'm, so I'm doing two in the morning, two in the evening. And then I'm doing... 
Sorry, I stack them. That's okay. <laughs> I'm doing um, one tablet in the morning and one tablet in the evening of the estradiol. And that, that they're two milligram? Two milligrams, yeah. Okay, so you're at four milligram. Mm -hmm. So that's not bad. And are you doing the estradiol sublingually or are mm -hmm. you swallowing them? No, sublingually. Okay, so you're letting them dissolve under the tongue. Okay. Mm -hmm. but, I always seem to get in. I always seem to get in a conversation. So when I'm doing it, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'll do it. I'm like, just stop talking. Like you just talk. I don't want to talk. And, and there's nothing but. wrong with you know just just so one of the things that they know besides the fact that um, if you do it sublingually versus swallowing them, um, you get you bypass you know, a little less will uh, a little more will bypass the liver if you do it sublingually versus do it swallow them, but you get tend to get better estradiol and less estrone. And do you understand the difference between estradiol mm -hmm. and estrone? Okay, so. Estrogen has two different components, E1 and E2. E1 is called estrone, and E2 is estradiol, okay? <clears throat> and estrogen, your estrogen level, is made up of those two components. And it's really your estradiol levels that drive your feminization more than your total estrogen levels. Um, so you want to make sure that when you're getting tested when you do get tested that you get tested not just for your estrogen but your estradiol level and your estrone level both separately okay okay the doctors who know better will say oh this makes much more you know we want to know what your estrone level and what your estradiol level are okay okay um and then separately, so you're on, you're taking a very high dose of uh, spirolactin. 200 milligrams is a lot uh, mm -hmm. to be started out on. Are you having any side effects from it? No. How about uh, a lot of peeing? Honestly, not really. Uh, really? I, mean, I, pee, really I pee a bit, but not, not, not as much as like I've, I've heard of people. Right. A lot of people have a lot of side effects. I'm very glad you're not having a lot of side effects. Yeah, like I know a lot of people that like you know they crave the pickles and the salty stuff, and it's like I, I do, but it's not like, it's not like what I hear, not okay. for me. Well, good. So hopefully they it's done a good job of you know suppressing your testosterone well. Um, mm -hmm. It sounds like they're doing a pretty good job in terms of at least not starting you on the lowest doses and you know, not you know not having you go so, you know, crazily low. So hopefully you oh, that switch in the four months to now where you're dominant estradiol and, you know, that your testosterone is suppressed. Yeah, they, they definitely, um, they started me off slow. So I started off with, um, I guess, two milligrams of estradiol total. So it was a half a pill in the morning, half a pill in the evening. Right. Uh, and that was it for the first month. And the second month it switched to three milligrams of estradiol so a pill in the morning or evening or whatever and a half half pill whichever one uh and then and then i was doing i think i was doing just two tablets of the spironolactone a day so like two in the morning or whatever uh i just did it once once during the day and then the next uh three months till what till now it's been what it is. The... Great. 
And how are you feeling about your changes? Are your changes, and you feel good about the changes you're seeing? What have you noticed so far, changes wise? Physically, um, I've yeah, definitely mentally noticed. Mentally, um, mentally, um, well, almost immediately for me when I first took that first tablet, there's a, like a lot of like mental clarity, just like a lot of head noise is just gone, and I'm sure a lot of this is probably just you know my internal like fears. It's like, oh, I'm finally doing this, so it's like, don't worry about it now. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I'm definitely happier. I think I, I tend to handle stressful situations a lot better now than I did before. Uh, things don't things don't bother me as much as they used to. Mostly at work, because work is really the most stressful thing that I, I deal with. Right. Um, there's a lot of situations that I know if I dealt with them five months ago, I would be absolutely livid and just, like, angry and... and just super pissed off like just the other day when i was supposed to do this recording with you on wednesday and i had a or was it wednesday or thursday whatever day it was thursday i think and i had the, the blowout on my tire on the way home from work and i was on the side of the highway for five hours like really i didn't realize you were that long no. i was there for five hours and, and i was fairly calm and collected I mean, I was angry, of course, because the whole situation's kind of screwed up. But right, right. I know if this happened five or six months ago, I would have been livid. Like, right. I would want to punch stuff, screaming. Uh, it would have been insane. Um, I have had a lot of people tell me that they don't know or that I don't think they know about my stuff, and they definitely don't know about the pills. Um... But, like, my boss has told me recently, because I've been up for, like, some promotion that I didn't take. And he's like, you know, in the last three months, you've been seeming, like, happier and, like, more talkative and, uh, you know, just nicer person to be around. So that's kind of an affirming thing that I've been hearing a lot lately. Absolutely. I got the same exact thing. And even before I told anybody, like, not Mm -hmm. a soul knew other than my wife and people would say wow you look so much happier now it's, it's you know and is it your weight loss is it you know what is it <laughs> a little bit of option a a little bit of option b right. yeah no, i've heard that a lot and then um i don't know how about physical like changes physically um my face has definitely changed quite a bit in the last four or five months um, or four months, however long it's been. Uh, it's just softer. I, I feel like I, I glow more. I definitely have more of a like a glow. My boobs are, are they're growing. They, if you're in the Discord, you you definitely know because I don't shut up about it. Like every day, yeah. <laughs> um, you have a daily reminder of a uh, uh, hashtag Billy's boob status. Purdy or whatever, <laughs> um, but they're 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 getting there, and they're they're like um, I think I'm between like an A and a B, honestly. They're, That's they're great. That's fantastic. My mom, my mom and sister are both pretty uh, well endowed with with their boobage, so I'm blessed blessed in that aspect. That's great. But uh, let's see, I haven't really noticed much hip hip growth there or re- well, fat redistribution around there 
How about your skin? You feel of your skin? Oh, it's definitely softer. Definitely softer. Um, I've noticed. I always hear this a lot from other people that like their nails get real brittle and like start peeling and stuff. I already had that problem before taking the hormones, and I, I didn't always have that problem. I, I started having that problem around the time that I came out to my ex-wife, and I think I was just really stressing out about a bunch of bunch of stuff. But since I've started taking the hormones, my nails have gotten a lot better. They're stronger like they used to be. They're not peeling anymore. They're not brittle. They're growing faster. My hair has been growing like fucking crazy in the last like three months. I'm starting to like, my temples are starting to, these things are starting to like come in now. And, um, I don't know, I talk about my wiener in, in um, one of the Patreon episodes, so if you really want to hear about that, you can subscribe to Patreon and, and find out about all the, the dirty nitty gritty. The dirty nitty. Um, um, but what's what's really weird is is I like I like looking at my before and after pictures. I like seeing the changes. Um, so just recently, I had a, a side by side shot of like June, like right before I started, or maybe even right when I started. So before any changes have happened, and it's really strange because when I see that old picture of myself, I'm oddly attracted to my old picture which is weird to me because I know I didn't feel I didn't feel attractive at the time um but that's that's new um yeah I don't know it's there's there's been a lot of changes so far that's one thing we could talk about and and we don't have to be very specific but um then we probably want to end pretty soon um but uh, you're talking about the, the wiener effects. Uh, the wiener effects. So um, I don't uh, I don't function anymore down there. Um, mm. When you do get to a certain amount of time on hormones and to certain levels that you get, um, you can ride sort of a, an in-between where you can still function down there. Um, a lot of people say, well, you start to shoot blanks or whatever, <laughs> but, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but I don't. So if you do get decide that you want to go for the higher levels of estradiol the way I am, you typically will not function down there, which is good, at least for where I'm at emotionally. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel, because um, having erections or that sort of stuff was very dysphoric for me for a while. You know, like, like I, didn't wanna, I didn't want that anymore. So it mm -hmm. really depends how important. And you can help design, you know, what happens to you with you being a proactive member of your, you know, you know how you want to develop and how you want to, you know, go fast, go slow, whatever. That's all. Yeah, so, like, for me, I'll, I'll say whatever. I don't really care. Um, so my, my wiener currently, it, it does get hard. It takes a lot of work to get to that point. Um, I go into really, really in-depth detail about this in the Patreon episode, so I'll leave that for that. But I'm not sexually active. Um, I don't really have any urges, and I really haven't ever had a lot of urges for for being um, the penetrating partner. So like, right. getting hard has never really been all that important to me. 
Um, so that's, for me, it's not a huge loss. I, I know I, I talk to a lot of people, like, that's, like, one of the big things, like, holding them back. But, you know, from my understanding, it's a kind of a use it or lose it kind of a thing. I will also say, and one thing that I'm not sure if you're there yet, but definitely was I was further along, you know, it was later than where you're at right now, that my testes shrunk mm-hmm. to nothing. I mean, nothing now. Like, I was going to get an orky. I was going to have the operation because I wanted to get rid of them. And it was around the five to six month point I actually scheduled with a urologist and it took like two months to get an appointment with a urologist and in that two months it changed and I showed up for the appointment and I said, you know, I was calling to do this but now like it doesn't make a difference anymore. <laughs> so get your get your tweezers ready. Yeah, like they're gone anyway. Like they're not there. And it makes tucking way, 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 way easier when that when mm-hmm. they I mean literally you can't tell I have any. That's where mm-hmm. I'm at now. Like and I was like I never thought that was gonna happen. I was so surprised. Like because it used to hurt and now nothing hurts. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, yeah, minor Minor, they're there still, but they're definitely shrunk. They're definitely smaller. They tend to stay inside most of the time, and they're like canals or whatever. Right. They just kind of do that on their own. Yep. So you're getting almost to where, you know, mine were now, like, I haven't seen them in months. <laughs> yeah, well, good riddance. <laughs> exactly. I know, interesting discussion, but most people wouldn't see... I thought it would be interesting to have this discussion because most people don't know what happens there, you know. It's not general mm-hmm. knowledge mm-hmm. out there, so I thought it would be interesting as part of the podcast. To- oh, yeah, like even... Um, something that's interesting to me is I, I, I'm circumcised, and with my wiener shrinking, I've definitely noticed my wiener, like... I'm using hand gestures, so if you're listening, uh, watch the episode. Um my skin like rolls over more so it's almost like I'm uncircumcised it's kind of weird to me I don't know it's not something I really expected I I, I guess I should have though because it definitely shrinks so I wouldn't it definitely shrinks and it can it continues like you know and that's why that's why I said you know it's more like when I first got started like the tucking issue was such an issue, you know, pre- presentation, and I was wearing um, uh, gaffs to mm-hmm. look right down there, you know, when if I wore like um, leggings or something like that, and I wanted to present right, you know, in public, I would wear a gaff so that it, you know, looked like you hadn't looked like a regular cis woman down there. Mm-hmm. And now, where I'm at now, I mean, I haven't worn gaffs in months. And you can't tell the difference. Mm-hmm. And that's with not even having had any surgery. Like, it's just gone. So I don't, I don't know if this is um, specific to me, because I know it's all, like, you know, your mileage may vary for everybody. Right. But I, I've noticed that, like, I'll start off tucking, like, when, before I leave or whatever. But throughout the day, as I'm, like, walking around or moving around or whatever my wiener tends to um, tends to suck up 
like more into my body so it like kind of untucks itself and just kind of goes <laughs> and <it> sucks in <laughs> and just like all the skin kind of goes around it and it's fair you know it's pretty flat on its own um so i don't know that that's that's something that i've noticed because it was never like that before like if it came untucked it was pretty obvious um yes i don't know Cool. Hmm. It's good. It's good. Yeah. yeah, that's something that happens. That happens to me. Um, I don't. I don't read too much about people's wieners like rolling in. Or not, I don't know if they rolling in, but like sucking in. I don't know. I don't so know the terminology good. for it, but it just goes. I mean, that's sort of the same way. It does sort of the same thing that you're talking about, but I don't usually like it. What it, whatever's left in length doesn't usually come. Untucked, you know. Mm-hmm. And like even thinking, and I only wear women's panties. I don't wear anything, so mm-hmm. keeps everything kind of nice and flat. Contained. Yeah, where I want it to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's mainly if I'm like wandering, if I'm walking around a lot, I'm doing a lot of stuff. But yeah, I don't know. it's kind of a. Kind of are, you wearing, are you wearing a bra all the time now? Most of the time. I don't wear one to work. Um, I, I could and you wouldn't be able to tell. The shirts are huge and I wear two shirts anyway. For me, with work, it's it's mostly um, kind of a heat level thing. Right. Because it's a really physical job, it's really sweaty, so it's just like... Just try to try to mitigate some of the heat. Right, you want you want to not keep everything contained in there that you feel. Mm-hmm. Yep. But outside of work, I, I wear a bra all the time. They're definitely they're definitely noticeable with uh, without a bra now. Yep. So, and my nipples are really sore, so gotta I, you know protect I, them. I need to wear it just for protection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to protect them, honestly. Otherwise, like. Just running into anything is like, wow, that hurt. Oh my god. <laughs> Do you have? Did you have that problem um, when you, I got my your nipples start? You know, taking the hormones started getting real sensitive and stuff. Did you have that problem where you were just like running into doors and corners and doorways? I'm running into things very often, but just the the errant touch of, in any way, and it would be like, yow, okay. <laughs> Even now, when I go to sleep. Like, oh, yeah. I'll roll sideways, and I'll get caught a little bit, and I'll go like, mm-hmm, yow! Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that, that's, that one's pretty bad. I have that issue when I'm sleeping, if I'm, like, laying on my side, or... Yeah. Or I, I tend to put my... My work shirt has, like, the front pockets on the shirt, so oh, I yeah, get that can, those a lot. Yeah, I'd want to wear a bra just for that. <laughs> dangerous! Oh, my gosh. I always put my sunglasses in there. Ugh. It's really it funny, but developing boobs, it was laying... I, the thing I've noticed more that I wasn't expecting, and for all the stuff that I did to sort of, like, practice having boobs, if you will, with, you, mm-hmm. know, I had, you know, forms that I attached and everything else for myself and back in the day and stuff, but laying on my side while sleeping, and it, you're getting caught, like, between your arm and... The, <laughs> Mm-hmm, <laughs> the mm-hmm. stuff was, 
I wasn't prepared for that. Like, that really surprised me. Oh, yeah. So I, I woke up, um, the other day I woke up, and I had, like, uh, I had some cleavage, which was, was pretty euphoric, which is pretty cool. Um, just from the weight, I guess. <laughs> that was pretty cool. I really enjoyed that. How about, have you, like, laying on your stomach, like, to get, like, a massage? Oh, I don't lay on my stomach. Yeah, it's like, whoa! <laughs> I'm going to try laying on my stomach now, but I, I never do. Well, I like to get I like to get a massage every so often. Like, I'll go to, you know, some massage place and get a massage, and it's like, holy smokes, this is like, do you have a pillow? <laughs> do you have something you can put on between me and the table? Like, anything? <laughs> I have, um, I have noticed that I can get discharge out of my nipples. Oh, I, no, I haven't noticed anything like that. Which is, um, the first time I noticed that was like two months ago. Interesting. It's not a whole lot. Like, right. I have to, you know, kind of squeeze them to do it, but it does happen. So, uh, I don't are know. You taking any, are you taking any, like, um, any vitamins specifically? No. Because there are certain vitamins that you can take that will actually help make that happen, from what I understand. No. I think it's yeah. like saw palmetto or something like that. I don't remember where it is, but I, read, I did do a bunch of reading about that, too. Mm. Yeah, the only the only things I take are, are my... That those two, the estradiol and the spironolactone. I don't take anything else. Maybe ibuprofen or something if I have a headache, but right. nothing else. Pretty, pretty yep. clean. Good. All right, well, I don't have anything else unless you wanted to ask me any other questions. I think we're good. Yeah, I think so. Um, I should probably get lunch because I haven't had lunch yet. Um, I have to do dinner for myself, too. It's dinner time here. It's like 6.15 here. Mm, oh, yeah, it's definitely dinner time. Um, do you have any other questions for me or anything else you want to say to anybody no, else? I'm interested to see how it comes out when you finish whatever you're going to do, cutting it or whatever, and or however you post it, be interesting, and um, sounds great. And then definitely I'll be glad to post, you know, participate in the, um, in the veteran thing. Okay, cool. And if you wanted to um, record audio of your, um, your coming out letter? Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll do that. That'd be really cool. That'd be really cool. Do you want me to do that now? Um, yeah. Okay, hold on a second. I can pull if, it up. Yeah, if you have it, you want to do it now, that'd be great. Yeah, why not? Let's just get it done. Let me see. Documents. I know where I need to do it. I need to go to my tribe. There it is. Got it.
Alright, you ready to for me to do it? Yeah, the floor is yours. Okay, so this is the coming out letter that I wrote. I have several different versions of this letter that I came out, depending on who the target person was. Um, if it was like somebody specific, if it was a family member, I did it slightly differently. It was just a generic, and I started with a generic one that I came with. Um, and this is, I'm reading you the generic one, and then obviously I do, uh, I had a much more specific one for um, each different group of person, whether it was professional or it was, you know, the volunteer organization that I'm in or family um, type of thing. But here goes, here's the generic, and you can, you know, if somebody ever wants me to post this, I'll be glad to post it. Um, I want an opportunity to share with you something that is very personal to me. I wish I could talk to you one-on-one -on -one in person, but logistics and time just don't make that a realistic possibility. I would much prefer that you learn about it from me personally so that you will not be confused by any rumors or misconceptions. In this way, I hope you can have some time to reflect on it in private and thereby answer any questions you might have. You might have already either heard or probably noticed some of the clearly significant and obvious changes in my appearance that have started to occur well over a year ago. While this is serious, it is an issue I've been dealing with ever since I was a child. My personal truth is that I'm transgender. Transgender is a term for someone whose internal sense of being male or female does not conform to that typically associated with their sex at birth. In the most realistic terms, my brain is female when my male hormones gave me all the characteristics of being male throughout my life. Because of this incongruence, I have felt anxiety, unfulfilled, and depressed about my physical appearance and emotion reactions for my entire life because of this conflict between my brain and my body. Even as a pre-adolescence, I was certain that I couldn't share or talk about this because it was not normal and I taught myself to keep my feelings and thoughts well hidden and tried to live a typical male life. But throughout all of my life, my feelings and extreme dissatisfaction with myself never went away and I kept it well hidden from everyone. In the last two years, the anxiety had become much worse and I'd started to significantly affect my physical and emotional health and well-being. My diabetes and even more concerning, my blood pressure became barely controllable and I made the decision to deal with my disorder head on. It started seeing doctors and therapists that were professionals experienced in these matters. After much consideration, we concluded the best way to alleviate the anxiety and solve my health issues was to follow the medically accepted solution and begin living my life as a woman. And so I actively began the process of transitioning from male to female. The process takes a number of years to complete, but the progress I've made so far has completely solved all my physical blood pressure and diabetic issues. The next step is for me to work through the social issues and begin living and working full-time as a woman. I have the full support of my son and my wife in this transition. I actually said their names in the, in the email I wrote, but I didn't want to do that on here. Of course, I recognize that this transition will impact you and require adapting our relationship to accommodate my new presentation. I absolutely understand and do expect that there will be an adjustment period for everyone but I would appreciate your support when you see me by calling me by my new name, Ashley, and using my proper pronouns like she and her in conversation. One thing that will not change is that I am the same person you knew before you heard this and will continue to be a good friend, neighbor, parent, and spouse. I love my family and friends very much and I'm committed to my marriage, my family, my friends, and those I work and interact with. 
I mentioned that this news comes as a surprise, and I'm sorry that I could not tell you in person. Please feel free to follow up with me. I'm an open book and will not be offended and more than willing to answer any and all appropriate questions you may have. I'll close by saying that I've waited decades for this and never thought it would be real, but it's finally here and in some ways feel like life is just beginning for me. I hope you understand. Sincerely, Ashley, formerly Paul. That's my coming thank, thank you so much for sharing that. And if anybody ever wants a copy of it, and I actually got, before I developed it, as I said, I went to this class at the conference and they gave me all sorts of examples of other people's letters. So if anybody wants those resources, they can, you know, ask me in Discord or wherever else. And if they give me their emails, I'll be glad to, or I can even post it on Discord if uh, somebody wants me to do that. So. Cool. 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 Thanks again. You're welcome. All right, have a great night and enjoy your lunch. All right, thanks. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be Billy, dinner by the time I get to yeah, it. Yeah. And Billy, anytime, honestly, I mean that sincerely, anytime you want have a question or something, feel free to reach out to me. I have no qualms about giving you my phone number and you calling me anytime you need support or help or you know just even want an ear or somebody to listen to. Okay, I appreciate it. Likewise. Yep. Great. Cool. So great seeing you again and great talking. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. thanks again for listening. Um, I know it's been a long time. I'm sorry. I, I will try to do better in the future. But just a fair warning, I am still insanely busy at the current moment. But I'll try to get things out as quickly as I can. Uh, thank you for your patience. I'm also still down to talk with anybody to record stuff. It's just taking me a little bit longer to get them out. So if you would like to share your story, if anything Ashley said you know resonated with you and you would like to you know share your story with me or, or reach out to anybody that's been on the podcast or some other listeners or myself or even Giselle, you can find us on the Cross Yas Confidential Discord server, which can be found on the Cross Yas com website uh, or on the cross yas podcast instagram um i'm not honestly i'm not that hard to find you can find me uh, come talk to me i'm more than happy to listen to your story and ask you questions from what i hear um but in the meantime take care of yourself and and just know that i do i still love you i still care about you and, you know, you deserve to be seen. Laters. Hey, uh, just a quick reminder, I'm not here to diagnose or treat anything. I'm just here to share my story, have others come on the podcast to share their story, to help you learn about the world of cross-dressing, sexuality, and gender a bit more.